welcome to a better lifestyle i am your host richard and i will be with you throughout this journey this show is here to empower individuals to do more in life professionally you will find a variety of topics that will help you to be more productive and more successful so join me and the professionals from different industries as we bring education and knowledge for more success. Hi everybody, my name is Richard L'Esperance and I go by the name of my man Richard. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. Uh, today we have uh, I have a special guest. Her name is Lenita Mitchell Blackwell. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. You absolutely are, Richard. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, she's uh, Lenita is uh, uh, she has an interesting story, and uh, she's uh, from what I've listened, she's a woman of wisdom. So uh, you guys, uh, I think you guys are gonna like this episode. So uh, please, uh, Lineta, tell uh, tell everybody like uh, your story uh, from uh, from the beginning and where you are today, and uh, we'll continue with the questions after. Sounds good. Well, thank you again, Richard, for having me on your amazing show. I am Lanita Mitchell Blackwell, the intuitive business coach, and I, I have to tell you, I have had the most amazing life. I have wonderful family friends, community that all seated into me and encouraged me to work hard, that if I did that, success would follow. And they were right. Um, I did well in high school, got a scholarship to college, did well in college, got a good job with a great company. Um, I was an accountant initially. Richard, I did not like that at all. It didn't suit my personality. <laughs> I'm just way too outgoing for that. And so I went back to school became an attorney, love it, have been practicing for 17 years with my own firm. And I continue to excel. I, I wrote a book called Leading Through Living, A Guide for Women Seeking Growth Through Leadership. Because as I was out in the community serving, um, people would ask me, like, how did you navigate corporate and then start your own business? And I told them the truth that my first job out of corporate Although it was a good job, it wasn't the best circumstance because it was a time during merger. And if anybody has been through a merger or restructuring, they know that everybody is scared. They're trying to hang on to what they've got. And so they're not really paying attention to the new folks. And so I started serving in the community as a way of staying busy because we weren't doing anything, but also as a way to develop the skills and the resources that I would need in order to be a successful person. And those skills transferred into work. And that book really resonated with people. I don't care their age, their race, their sex, their religion. They said, yes, this is what I need. And so I started speaking, publishing other authors, and things were going great. And then one day my daughter came home and she found me passed out in the middle of the floor from exhaustion because I had been taught to work hard and that success would come, which it did, but I was not taught to take care of myself. 
or to differentiate between success and life joy. And it was not until my daughter had to put me to bed because literally I was too tired to get out the floor, Richard. She got a blanket from her bed and put it over my body and a pillow under my head and said, good night, mommy. And the only thing I had strength to do was to say good night, baby. I could not put my six-year-old daughter to bed. But I did not know how to transition from this this lifestyle of listening to, oh, you're just so wonderful. Yay, Lanita, I love having you on my team. And so I went back to what I knew. And it wasn't until two years later when I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis and fibroids and had to have a series of horrible surgeries that I said, God, if you bring me through this, I will get the help that I need because I know now I can't do this myself. I have to hire help. And I did. I hired a performance coach, Rowena Silvera Beck, who had me list everything that I was involved in. And at that point, it was seven pages, single space. And just thinking about that makes me do like this, like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I put myself through that. But I had the mindset then that all of that busyness equaled success. And it was very much tied up in my self-worth. And so she told me, you have to get that down to two. And I didn't really know how, because prior to that, I knew that if something was painful, if it did not suit me, if it was not positive, then it had to go. But at that point in my life, everything that I was involved in was positive. So I had to use another metric. So it meant that I had to develop one because there really wasn't one. And so I had to detach success from busyness and my self-work. And I had to look at why I was trying to live this perfect life and perfect being a life that was handed to me based on somebody else's standards. Work hard, check, have family, check, make money, be successful, check, check, check. And I said, I'm going to have to live an excellent life. And excellent being one that is full of peace, joy, and fulfillment, a metric that I selected, and one that was full of grace because it was going to change as I changed through my life. And it has because what was excellent when I established this in my late 30s is no longer that I'm in my late 40s, and I really hope it won't be in my 50s and 60s because it should continue to evolve and to become better. And as people saw these changes in me, they asked me what I was doing because, see, when I was at my lowest, my body told me before the fibroids, the endometriosis, even before the exhaustion that things were going bad, my hair had started to break off and all I did was put on wigs. I had a beautiful wig collection (laughs) and my nails had started to split. I just got these beautiful acrylics and I was all blinged out and my skin had started to deteriorate as well. And all I did was wear heavy makeup. My makeup game was so good that I went to a photo shoot once and the stylist was like, oh my gosh, your makeup is amazing. Who is your MUA? And I was like, that's me. And even as I was going through those things, as long as I presented well, then everything was okay. And it was not. 
And so when people saw that I, my hair had started growing back, I was no longer wearing all the battle paint. That's what I call all that makeup. <laughs> and, and my natural nails were out and about again. I started sharing and they were like, I need some of that. What are you doing? Help me. And that's how I became the intuitive business coach, because I found that the people who were my people, they, they're me, are folks who grew up knowing that if they worked, that they would be rewarded and that they would have the results of that. But they never really learned how to take care of themselves and to separate the metric that other people had given them and create their own so that their self-worth and their gratitude and thanksgiving would be front and center. And I, I got to tell you, Richard, people have asked me several times, like, does that mean that your businesses went away? Does that mean that your family went away? And the answer to that is no. What it meant is that there was a streamlining so that the businesses that no longer were consistent with my life purpose and my mission were either wound down or sold. And those organizations that I served in, the same thing had to happen. And it was okay because the things that I still do, which is my law firm and my coaching, my books and publishing my own work, they have grown because people see and feel the sincerity behind the message, which is you can have all those wonderful things. I still do. I have to have a roof over my head and my child's head, right? <laughs> but it does not define me. And clients come because that is the type of person that they want, representing them, helping them, championing them to be successful in their entire life. Not just the professional, not just the personal, but all of it, the aggregate. Mm. And that's my story. That is my story. So what kind of law you do? I do residential real estate as well as estate planning and business law. And most of my clients are entrepreneurs or small businesses. Okay. Uh, so what uh, what does success uh, what does success means to you now? So success to me now means living an excellent life, and it is one that is truly filled with peace, joy, and fulfillment. And I focus on the joy because before I was trying to be happy. Most of us are trying to achieve happiness. The problem with happiness, though, Richard, is that it is an external determinant. Somebody outside of you determines whether you are happy. You're happy if your friend comes into town and y'all can go shopping and hang out and see a movie. But then that means that you're sad when your friend leaves town and y'all aren't shopping and there are no new movies out, right? Whereas joy, joy is an inside job. That's internal. Joy means that I am so grateful that my friend came to town and we had the most lovely time. And I'm grateful that she got home safely. And so did I. And I'm grateful that I have these memories to enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not sad to see her go. It just means that I have a reservoir within myself to tap into that is full of gratitude and thanksgiving that I have selected to feel this way about our shared experience 
rather than to focus on the negative. And that feeling replicates and it is available to us at all times, particularly in times of challenge and stress. And so it doesn't mean that we won't have challenge. It won't mean that we won't have stress. It means that we have a way to come out of that and to learn from it so that we can move on. Mm. Uh, so talk to us about uh, intuitive business. Yes. So intuitive business is following that feeling inside of you. Some of us call it the gut. Some of it calls us God, angels, whatever you would like to call it. You know, you trust it, that feeling. And despite whatever is in front of you, when you hear that voice or you have that feeling that tells you to do something else, that you move into it confidently and you know that you're in flow. Being in flow in our businesses is imperative because sometimes we don't have the opportunity to do the research, to consult with the experts. There are some things that we must do as business owners that have to be done like that. And to be able to not just trust ourselves, but to trust our connection with the greater power that's guiding us, that allows us to always be successful and to operate in joy. That brings more clients, that brings more success, and it brings more prosperity. But I would like to say here, prosperity is not just money. Prosperity as well as health, it is wellness, it is wisdom, it is spiritual contentment because we are an aggregate being. We are all of that. And that is what is showing up every day. We believe some, some of us, because I've talked to people and I used to be one of these people who believed that we were these bipartite beings. We, we had work and then we had home. And we believe that we left home when we went to work, but we don't. There are parts of that that shine through. And when we are able to integrate all of ourselves into the total being that shows up the same way consistently, wherever we're going, that allows us to tap into all of our skills, gifts, and talents for not just our betterment, but for everyone that we're meeting, including our business partners and our clients. So what would you say is uh, at this moment your calling in life? At this point, my calling in life is to, to share this message that to live your life on fire, a life of prosperity and well-being, it is a life that will be full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. So I'm not saying that you can't have the stuff. You absolutely are going to have the stuff. You're going to enjoy all of the stuff. This is something that I'm touching in the green with you on. I'm saying that it is not a measure or a metric of who you are, what you are, or how you serve. So you had uh, uh, you had media companies before. I did, and and, uh, and a publishing house. Yes. Uh, how did you uh, How did you uh, build those businesses? Like build uh, key relationships and uh, sponsorships. 
and uh, and all that. How did you how did you do it? You know, Richard, it was not intentional on a human level, but it was absolutely on a spiritual one because all of the key relationships that were necessary for that to happen, for all those things to happen, were based on mutual feelings of respect and caring. Excuse me. When I wrote my first book, it was not to be a publisher. I published my own book because I select searched for several publishing houses. I wanted my book published by my birthday. It was a feeling in me. I now understand that that was motivating me to this life, this path that I have been on at this point in time. But at the time I was just like, I want my book out by my birthday and none of them could do it. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it myself. And in getting my book out, people read it and it resonated with them. And so they went out and said, please come into our organization and speak. And in doing that, people said, well, can you help me write my book? And I became a writing coach. Will you help me publish my book? But what they were really saying is, will you publish it for me? (laughs) So that's how I became a publisher of other people. And they enjoyed their experience, particularly the first couple. And they shared what we were doing together word of mouth because I was very hands-on. I wanted everybody to be successful. And people came to me who were editors and they said, you know, um, I would love to work with you. And so because I was no longer doing the editing myself, that meant that I had more time for business development. And then I had people say, hey, I would really love to be an illustrator for you. And then we were able to do children's books as well. I was invited to a women's conference in Bangalore, India by Mona Shah Joshi, who was the executive director of the Art of Living Foundation here in Georgia. And there is no direct way to Bangalore from Atlanta. So I traveled very various cities, countries, continents to get there. And Richard, I did not like what I saw when it came to the depiction of African-American people people of color, period, that they actually believe some of them that the things they saw on TV with this sagging pants and the poor grammar and the horrible violence, that that was who we are. And I was like, no, that is not my experience. That's not my life. That is not the life that I know that most of my friends and family members and and people I've never met have, whether they have money or not. And so I came home determined to do something about it. And I said to a few of my friends, you know what, let's gather together and write some articles and do this newsletter. And we're going to call it Bold Favor. And when we were done, we had 95 pages. And, you know, at that point, it's not a newsletter anymore. That's a magazine. And so that's how the magazine was launched. And if you go back and look at that first issue, the cover is beautiful because Uh, Josh Martin did that. But the inside, I was not prepared to do a magazine. So I did not have a magazine graphic designer. We did that in Word. And so it's kind of ugly, but it stays out and up because it is a testament of what you can achieve and how people will get behind that when they 
know that it's something positive. And so our first issue went out and Jodice Richards, who was a freshman at Florida State University at the time, saw it and she loved the content. And she said, I will do this free until you can get some advertisers and get some money in the door so that you can pay me. And that's what happened. And we grew from there. Um, people saw what we were doing with Bold Favor and wanted to partner with us. And that's how we wound up publishing Bold Plus, which was for plus size people, ageless beauty for those 50 and up, wellness and politics. So we had five magazines at one time. And um, as I was out speaking, and just like you asked that question, um, one of the people in the audience Tinsley Bradford was there and she was like, I really love what you're doing. I want to do media for you. And that just took us to a different stratosphere because she already had an established platform. She was already on CNN as a commentator. And so we started covering red carpet events, including the Soul Trade Music Awards. And so it was a lot easier to get sponsorship. And about that time is when I met someone who is now like, one of my best friends, Sanji Willingham, who is a very successful entrepreneur and business owner. And she saw what we were doing and she was like, whatever you need, I will sponsor it. But the way I met her was that she and I were in the same office building. Our offices were in the same building and she was just having a rough day in the elevator. And I normally don't talk to people in the elevator other than, hi, how you doing? And, you know, we go back on our phones or just stare. But I could just tell from her face, she wasn't crying or anything, but there was something about her face. And I said, are you all right? And we stepped off the elevator and we talked for two hours. And I was able to put on my lawyer hat, my accountant hat, and a friend hat <laughs> during that conversation. And our relationship just grew from there. And that is my title sponsor for whatever I do, even now. So that is how... It got done. That is how we grew. That is how we got everything that we dreamed of. It was because there was a true desire on all of our parts to put forth a, a more positive and loving narrative about the people that we are, as well as the people that we know and love. So why did you, uh, did you, uh, get rid of those uh, businesses is it back to at the beginning when you were talking to uh, about uh, your performance your performance coach that's exactly right so it was it was a lot for one person um and so she was like okay let's take a, a look at everything and anything that's no longer consistent with who you are today and where you feel you're moving forward and toward, we've got to scale those down and either you've got to sell them, or wind them down, but you've got to let them go. Whatever word you want to use, you've got to let them go. So the first areas I addressed were my professional associations because I was serving as president and or on the board on almost everything that I was involved in because that's what I knew to do. So it was either letting people know so that they had time to find a replacement so I could either train them or if they were good, they could get up and running. Or if they did not do that during that period of time, um, resigning gracefully and just 
letting the chips fall where they may. So that was part one. Part two were the businesses. And I started with the accounting firm. So I pared that down so that I just have one client right now. They won't let me go. But it is just one client. And it's just during the summer for about two weeks. So that could stay. And then came the publishing company. Um, We wound up completing the books that we had. Um, There was one book that was not complete. And so I sold that to who was our uh, president of the company at the time. So he took that and ran and he's built up and he's now doing amazing things under red ink. And then the magazine. Um, I looked at the fact that it was so much fun. And there are days, Richard, that I miss it. And I think about getting it up and running again. But it was during a time where print media was in decline. And to give you an idea of what kind of decline, Ebony Magazine flagship, right? Started by the Johnsons, which at its heyday had 200 pages, um, was winding down to publish their last issue, which was about 30. So if Ebony was fighting to get advertising, you can imagine what it was like for Bold Favor. And so when it came to that, most months we were breaking even or running into the red. And so my firm was supplementing a lot of that. And so as wonderful as it was, that had to be wound down as well. And so that left my coaching and the publishing of my own books, as well as my law firm, because I love it. And I do feel that that is absolutely part of my mission that allows me to get into rooms that other people can't. And to allow people who will hear me who won't listen to other people because I am doing what I am asking you to do. I didn't go out on top of a mountain and stay there for two years and abdicate my responsibilities and then come back and say, look, I'm all well. I did it as I was working. And so it makes my voice more effective and relatable so that people can get hopefully the peace and the joy and fulfillment that they are seeking. So what would you say about uh, someone who's, uh, who's uh, frustrated with, frustrated with their situation right now? Like uh, uh, they just don't like it. Maybe they're stuck or they don't know like uh, uh, how to get out, how to get out of that situation. Uh, What would you say to them? So it's two things, and they're both related to mindset. The first is when you're in a situation that you don't like, the first thing that you must do if you want to be able to push through that frustration is to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling. Because a lot of us would really try to paper over it and say either it's not that bad or Conversely, it's worse than it is. Uh, Taking honest stock of your environment, the people in it, and how you got to this place will help you to know how to move through it. Uh, The second part is once you have owned those feelings, positive, negative, whatever word you want to put on them, because they're your feelings, they're valid, and that's it. Now it's time to find gratitude in it because Gratitude has a way of clearing a path and lighting a way for you to know what to do next and to get out of it. 
Um, I'm thinking specifically about uh, four years ago when we moved back to Atlanta from Birmingham. We had had renters in the house and they left it in a horrible condition. And we had a choice. We were like, we can sell it as is because the housing market was doing pretty well. Or we could go ahead and take the time and fix it up. Well, you can imagine our feelings about it <laughs> were quite passionate. Um, we were very angry with the renters for, for destroying the house the way that they did. We were frustrated about the expense that it was going to take to um, get it ready either for us to move in or to even bring it to market because it was really that bad. Um, but once we owned that those were our feelings, we were able to then be grateful to have a house to even make those determinations. A lot of people don't even have those choices, right? And so it allowed us to see that the best course of action was to actually get the repairs done. And we were able to do it in stages so that it wasn't an arm and a leg and a thigh and a hip, right? <laughs> we were able to get that done. And we were able to move in and to enjoy the space and be grateful, and, and it took a while, but we got here, to be grateful for the renters that were here because even though they left the place in a state, they held space for us to be able to come back to it. It takes time and it takes great patience with oneself. But once that mindset comes in, you're able to then use that in other areas of your life. Mm. Uh, last words in regards to everything we talked about? Absolutely. Every moment of your life is an opportunity, even the challenging parts. We've all heard the saying, there's a silver lining on every cloud. I want you to think about the fact that you are the silver lining. And that means that the cloud is there for you. So make the choice to embrace the challenge and see it as an opportunity to grow, to expand, to be better, and to go forward in your life and live it on fire, one that is full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. Uh, where can people find you on social media or the internet? So the easiest way to find me is my website, lanitamitchellblackwell.com, Lanita spelled L-Y-N-I-T-A. And from there, we can connect any way you like. All my social media handles are there. You can subscribe to my blog, my email, see where I'll be next. Maybe we can meet in person. And I would love for us to connect. Anything that you're working right now in uh, in your life, professionally? Ab absolutely. So my biggest thing right now is to be in front of as many people as possible. And Richard, I cannot thank you enough for providing this opportunity to be in front of your community so I can share this message of Live Life on Fire. And if you would like to learn more, please do pick up my book, which you can also get on Amazon. It is on Kindle, Audible, paperback, and hardback. Okay. And uh, the, the name of the book is? Live Life on Fire, The Ultimate Guide to a Successful Life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. Great. So you guys heard it. Uh, thanks, uh, Lynetta, for being here. It was nice meeting you and uh, talking to you, connecting with you. So uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. 
I hope everybody enjoyed that episode and they they learn uh, a lot. I told you, like, uh, she was a woman of wisdom. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I hope that you guys uh, found some great nuggets in that episode. So on that note, uh, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. My name is Richard L'Esperance, and I go by the name of my man Richard, and I was with Lineta Mitchell Blackwell. So we'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like it, please don't forget to subscribe at the end. Thank you, and see you next time.